What makes you happy? I was thinking about this while reading the news today and deciding to make a short podcast because fortunes of people and of countries and even of planets go up and down. And you may note that I use similar skills of perspectives here as I used in my latest article in the Substack newsletter that I make, The Planet, which I published, I believe, yesterday morning. Uh, so let's start at the individual level. Today, the shares of Amazon, they slumped more than 8% in this morning's early trading in Wall Street. And I'm not sure if there was a bit of a rebound since, I didn't follow it, but assuming that it would stay about the same, this means that Jeff Bezos lost this morning $13 billion of his fortune. Now, last year, he was worth $210 billion, and his net worth has now dropped to around $155 billion. Not that I feel sorry for someone who doesn't seem to feel sorry for what his workers have to endure. For years, we've heard about many complaints from employees at Amazon. They allege that they are given back-breaking tasks in the warehouses, and they also vent their dismay over intrusive surveillance technologies, including automated tracking systems and cameras that monitor their every move. And when I hear anything about workers uh, being in places on such demanding schedules that they are forced to urinate and defecate in water bottles and bags until their shifts end, my thoughts go immediately to Jeff Bezos. And if you ask me, if I care about someone losing $55 billion, no. For someone so rich, who pays only 1.1% tax rate on the rise of his fortune, no, I don't feel sorry at all. Jeff Bezos paid $1.4 billion in personal federal taxes on the 12 years between 2006 and 2018. And admittedly, that is a bit more than I paid. But that is on the $6.5 billion that he reported in income, while his wealth increased $127 billion during that same period. So ProPublica made a calculation that reflects that the true tax rate of Jeff Bezos, Bezos was only 1.1%, and that is far lower than probably anybody who's listening to this podcast is paying. So if we stay at the individual level, the former Wimbledon champion, Boris Becker, has been jailed for two and a half years for hiding two and a half million pounds worth of assets and loans to avoid paying debts. So let me translate this for you. If you hide more than three million dollars that you needed for your luxury resort in Mallorca, and then you claim that you can't pay your debts, it simply means that you are stealing more than three million dollars. And it's not like this is the first time Boris Becker is doing this. There's a pattern in his behavior in 2002. He was already convicted for tax evasion in Germany in 2002. And the judge this time in London said that he has shown no remorse or acceptance of guilt. And it leads me to wonder what would happen to me if I would steal $3 million? Would I get only two and a half years in prison and you only have to sit out half of that? But it also leads me to wonder what kind of person I would be if I owned the fortunes of these ultra-rich. Would I treat my workers like shit? Would I have no problems to do everything I can with the help of the world's best financial advisors to avoid paying any tax, to avoid giving anything back to society that has made it possible for me to gain that wealth? What worse and and. Uh, 
And what is wrong? Let me formulate it this way. What is wrong with rich people? Is our system somehow structured in a way that people that do wrong get rich? Or is there something in our system that the people that get rich somehow feel the urge to behave wrong? It's simple. If you own $200 billion, you can still be a very likable person on the day that you lose $199 billion. I can promise you that I will be a very likable person if I would have that $1 billion that is left. I would actually give away most of it. I would keep 0.3% since I just learned that that is the price for Boris Becker's luxury resort in Mallorca, which I would then buy because the owner is absent. So imagine what you could do if you would have 200 billion. I mean, for me, just a few thoughts. I would, I would first of all pay a fair amount of tax, give back to society. And then there will be enough left to pay for the around 45 billion needed for Biden's climate change plans. And I would pay off the crippling student loans that keep talent and brains out of the economy. And I would, I would spend it on education and healthcare and social services. And I would help refugees and fight hunger and, and fight the lack of access to drinking water and sanitation all over the world. And I would not hide my wealth. I would share it. The fortunes of countries are a different scale, but like the fortunes of individuals, like the examples that I just gave, they go up and down. We live in a unique moment in history when the fortunes of countries seem to be much more at stake than we have seen for at least the half, last half century. A power-hungry Russia invaded what we all consider to be a very vulnerable Ukraine, but a bit like the U-boat warfare in the Second World War, the hunters seem to have become the hunted. And I'm not in a position to make any predictions of the futures of Ukraine or of Russia. But what I can share is that at the age of 56, I have seen in my life how rapidly the fortunes of countries can change. Vietnam, Cambodia or Uganda were countries synonymous with the horrors of war when I was a child and with horrible human rights abuses. But all three of them are now popular tourist destinations. And when I was a young diplomat, hell on earth was the Western Balkans in, in former Yugoslavia. And again, these countries are popular tourist destinations now. I know several Americans that actually moved to uh, countries in former Yugoslavia because they like it there so much. One moved to Kosovo because he just loves Pristina and another uh, moved to Montenegro. Or think of Rwanda, then and now. I mean, fortunes of countries can really go up and down much faster than you think. And that may not help in seeing an outcome of the present war in Ukraine, but it does remind you that the outcomes are not fixed. And something else that I reminded you of in, in earlier podcast: all wars end. And that is extremely difficult to imagine that that is still true with the present war, with any brutal war that's going on, you always believe like this is never going to end. And somehow they do. And nearly all of us were wrong in our predictions two months ago when Russia invaded, even about whether or not they would invade. And But once they invited, people thought it would be game over in three days. And it just reminds us that it's extremely hard to to speculate with any kind of reasonable prediction. 
about what the next steps will be. So I stay away from that. But I only remind you of this this bigger long-term picture uh, that we are in. And then there is one more level up. We started at the individual level, and then we went to countries, and then there's the planetary level. And unfortunately, our planet is not doing well. Our planet is a patient that is very sick and needs urgent care. And if I just, I've spoken so much on, on the planet and there's just just the thoughts of the future that we are going to, to, to witness or that our children are going to witness. It's just horrible. A child being born today will live with uh, even, even better medical care that we will have in the future than we have now is expected to live for, let's say, about 100 years if you're born in a Western world. So that is uh, until at least the end of this century. That could easily be the year uh, 2120. But let, let's focus on about the year 2100. If we don't really take climate action, which is at the moment what we're doing. We're not really taking climate action. We do a little bit, but it doesn't count. Emissions are going up, whereas they should really rapidly be going down. So at the end of this century, the temperatures could have risen, something like three degrees or four degrees. So um, that means that in a lot of countries, the summer temperatures stay above 40 degrees. A good example of that is, and that would have been an alternative theme for this podcast today, I might talk about it in a couple of days, is the extreme heat wave that is taking place for a long time already in uh, India and Pakistan as well. Um, you hardly hear about it in the Western media, but it's horrible what is taking place there. Um, heat waves with as high as 50 degrees will become common in tropical countries by the end of this century if we don't take action. Uh, wildfire will become worse on every continent, except for Antarctica, for the simple reason that there's nothing to burn. And that creates all kinds of, of, of smoke, breathing problems. It has a huge impact on climate change itself because the lungs of the world are going to be destroyed by wildfires. That is a process that is already going on. Just look at, for instance, the western uh, part of the United States. Look at the area around Boulder these days or look at um, the, the wildfires that you see in Australia. And it's not only the intensity of the fires, but it's also that the season has grown so much longer. Uh, it's, there is no longer a real wildfire season. You have wildfires year-round. Some seasons you have them more than in others. And then look at the oceans. I, mean, I already spoke about and interviewed a few people about the problem of plastic in the oceans, but the oceans are also getting warmer. Um, that leads, for instance, to repeated ble bleaching events. So by the end of this century, there is simply no Great Barrier Reef left if we don't take any action. And uh, we will see increasingly, staying, staying, by the way, on the oceans, it's also the acidification that we're, we're talking about. So it is, it is heat, it is pollution, but it's also becoming more acid. It simply becomes more acid because the rise of um, the, the, the climate change is basically two things. One is uh, a rise of CO2 levels, and there's, of course, I'm simplifying here, there's other greenhouse gases as well, but the main thing is the rise of the CO2 levels. And uh, a large part of the CO2, about half of it, is absorbed in 
the oceans. And then you get the same as what you have with, um, let's say, a soda. Because there is CO2 in the water, it becomes more fresh. It's nice to drink, right? It, it becomes it becomes more acid, uh, which uh, tastes nice, but it's not nice if you're living in the ocean and you're, you're a shell, you're, you're made of uh, chalk uh, material uh, that is uh, that's basically getting lost when it gets more acid. So it's the acid, uh, acidification, it's also getting warmer because the, the heat of the that is trapped by uh, by climate change um, goes for about 90% also into the oceans. So the oceans getting warmer, more acid, and getting more polluted. Um, and then by the end of the century, that will really have increased so much that basically there's not much hope for coral anymore. Um, on land, we will see frequent and prolonged droughts. Uh, we already see the impact of drought um, in, uh, for instance, on the Arab Spring, which happened now 10, 11 years ago, uh, all over northern Africa, where drought really played a role in uh, triggering all the revolutions that took place there. There were many other factors. Food was another one, but it was also, of course, a question of, of bad governance, and people were completely fed up with their, with their governments. And there were a lot of other factors. But climate change, especially in the form of, of drought, is playing a role, um, and worldwide you see that there's more um, uh, uprisings and revolutions when, when the weather gets uh, gets worse, especially in the form of, of droughts and failed harvest. Um, you will see an expansion of deserts by the end of this century. You already see it at the moment. Take a country like Spain, for instance. They're, they're, they're really dealing with problems that is getting too hot, and, and things can't grow there anymore. Same problem you will increasingly see in California, especially now that, and that's not a related problem, that uh, the water supply is, is, is really under threat. And this is a serious problem that, although uh, people write about it a lot, it is not discussed enough. Everybody thinks that somehow there will come some kind of solution, but I don't see it yet. Um, the, the trend, there will be temporary solutions, but the trend is really a very bad one. Um, by the end of this century, you will have, if we don't take any action, something like three and a half billion people that live in areas where there's more demand for water than what is available. Imagine that, three and a half billion people that don't have enough water. Um, we will see that when it all gets, gets warmer, people want more and more air conditioners, and they use an enormous amount of energy. That is typically one of the things that you see at the moment also happening in India. Uh, the country is getting richer. A lot of money is then spent on more air conditioning. They need more energy and that energy is more polluting. This is a vicious circle that is going in the wrong way. And it also leads to enormous air pollution. And the air pollution uh, is already killing millions of people every year. Worldwide, air pollution is actually much worse than COVID, but nobody presents it that way in, in the media. And on top of that, COVID is a temporary thing, whereas the air pollution, as long as we don't take any action, is is not something uh, that uh, that is just going away. And um, and then we have to look at the polar regions where it's getting hotter, especially in the Arctic. It's getting hotter more than twice as fast as in the rest of the world. So it means that the Arctic is going to be ice free. And uh, that the temperatures in the far north will have will have risen something like eight degrees, six, six to eight degrees, if we talk about three to four degrees uh, warming uh, at the end of this uh, at the end of this cen century, uh, on average, 
then it's uh, it's about six to eight degrees Celsius uh, warming um, in in the Arctic uh, if we don't take any action. And and much worse is actually that the ice sheets on Greenland and uh, and the Antarctic, especially Western Antarctic, um, will continue to melt and at at a much faster rate. And that leads to sea level rise that could easily be by the end of this century seems like a meter but it's going to be much much worse in the century following and we should now already start to prepare for what is going to come and hardly any country in the world is doing that um, think about the melting of the glaciers uh, something like the i mentioned in another podcast uh, the the himalaya mountains it's often called the third pole because of the the enormous amount of ice that is there and that ice is highly relevant for the about two billion people that uh, depend on the water from the himalayas it's not only the quantity it can be too much or too little but it's also the predictability that you know when uh, you can expect the water so basically when you can expect the next uh, next harvest and um, so that that's going to impact hundreds of millions of people and at the same time from the coastlines people will be pushed away think about a country like bangladesh that is basically at at the level of of the sea level so there's there's just millions and millions of people that have to move inland a lot of these things are already mentioned in in other podcasts think about for instance uh, the the small island developing states uh, um, island states like the maldives or the marshall islands are these very low-lying atolls and they are literally as we speak they are losing their land i mean every day people are moving away because they have decided that today is um, is the moment that they no longer can continue living there so it's it's a, it's a small trickle you don't see it as let's say the refugees streaming out of out of ukraine that are coming with five million in just two months time but it's a constant trickle of people that are moving away on many places so they're difficult to film because you don't see them at one moment and they don't make it to the evening news but it is constantly happening and these countries are desperate for what you have to do one of these countries actually um the country of kiribati uh, has bought land higher up on the mountain of fiji that at least if they disappear as a country that the people at least have a place where they can they can go to and that is a question for us in countries in the west of what we are doing with it um i could go on on all kinds of other things we will get we'll get more um, uh, typhoons and and worse hurricanes and the frequency will likely also go up uh, think about the changing monsoons, think about food and, and water insecurity that is going to happen. Um, and there's a lot of other issues that I've mentioned in the past already. But um, all of these issues mean that our planet is not doing well. And when we talk about the fortunes of individuals and of countries and of planets, this planet is really in deep, deep trouble. It is, uh, it is getting hotter and it is uh, uh, losing its its biodiversity it is uh, in 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 numbers as well as as in as in um, uh, as as relatively in the amount of species that we still have it's getting heavily polluted and on top of that it is badly governed by about 200 countries in the world that have vastly different interests and that are not 
capable to unite and work together on on one problem. I mean, if 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 a house is on fire in your village, you should at that moment forget about all the fights between the neighbors and all kinds of issues. You're all going to line up together and get in those buckets of water to save the burning house. Otherwise, otherwise the whole village will burn down. But we don't have that line of people or countries yet that are handing each other these buckets of water and are helping each other to keep this uh, this planet alive. So then, of course, uh, there's one more level up. You could call that the fourth level, and that is um, going into into universe um, and 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 look at other planets. And I wrote earlier this week um, about uh, Mars and also about Euro your Europa, I don't know how you pronounce it, it was an A at the end in English, um, but Europa is uh, one of the moons um, of, uh, of Jupiter, and both of them are candidates for uh, finding life outside of, outside of Earth. Uh, on Mars, the most likely thing, if they find anything, is probably proof that there has been life in, uh, in a long, long uh, past time. Uh, and is no longer there. Uh, if they would find anything alive, it's certainly going to be really tiny. Um, the on the moon Europe, uh, Europa, I think that's how you pronounce it in English. Is um, there's there's perhaps slightly more chance. Maybe that's the best candidate for now to find uh, to find other life. Um, and so. There is hope, so let's say the fortunes of those planets are maybe maybe going up, uh, where, whereas uh, the fortune of our planet is going down. And that brings me to um, the, the, the title that I, that I gave uh, to, to what I'm talking about now is wh what makes you happy? If you think about all these things, you know, what is, what is important for you? Is it like um, uh, having as much money as, as uh, Jeff Bezos? Will he be depressed today because he lost 13 billion of the still 150 billion or something that he has? Um, think about somebody like Boris Becker. The man was everybody's hero when he was 17 and he won Wimbledon and the next year he came back and he did it again against all odds. He wasn't even even a regular player in there. He just came in with a wild card and he beat everyone. Um, he was he was so popular, he was so successful, and he was so talented. And then he got so rich, and then we, even with all the wealth that he had, and with with being so famous, he didn't manage to really find a kind of happiness because now he's gonna sit in jail. What a what a crazy steps in life somebody can take when you're in such a position of fortune. And then you blow it so much. I mean, why would you buy all these three million dollars uh, expensive villas in, in in the south of Spain or wherever he's spending his money on? When you have so many, so much money, um, why not just be a little bit more modest? And why not think about other people? Don't you derive happiness from supporting other people? Isn't that a very human thing to do? And and. That's why I said I try to imagine what I would do if I would be in, in, in such a position. And it, it seems that people that suddenly get so rich and famous that they really get lost. And that makes you wonder, would you like to be that famous? Would you like to be that rich? I mean, where would you really like to be? What makes you really happy? 
And for me, I, I never gave that so much thought, and maybe I should have before I start talking about it, but for me, it wouldn't be that kind of richness. I think I, I derive more happiness from things that I often talk about. Um, it's, it's, it's about being in nature, being, having a good time with friends, having, having a dinner with the people around you that you, that you enjoy uh, being together with. And that's also something that comes out of a lot of uh, research, that um, research shows that when the, the first basic needs that you really need, you need some kind of shelter, you need, you need food and you need clothes and you, you want to be in some kind of, 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 of relatively good health. But once, once those very first needs are being taken care of, that you don't see a huge improvement in happiness by getting filthy rich after that. Um, so once those needs are taken care of, and that can be, that can be pretty, pretty soon. As soon as you have a little bit of a little bit of food and shelter and and, and a bit of certainty in your life, let's say something like um, take, uh, taking good care of healthcare for people, for instance, is a factor that plays a role there. But once you have those, um, why acquire so much more money? Uh, to to reach happiness because I assume that people like Boris Becker or Jeff Bezos I just picked two people that were in the news today I assume that that is ultimately their aim in life as well will they do they really get happy by in the evening looking at the stock market and see if they if they gained a few million or lost a few billion and um, I I wonder how that works for those people so those were just some thoughts that I wanted to share and I I wonder um, if now that you're listening, uh, for those that are listening now, if if there are any questions or thoughts on 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 your side, what what makes you happy? What do you really need? I see Evelyn coming in. Hi, Evelyn. Thanks for joining. Hi. Um, you know, I always have thoughts, right? So. Yeah, so I'm always happy when you join. So I know that there's a caller. <laughs> Good um, to have you on board again. Yeah, Sharon had to leave, I saw. So I figured. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, um, to your question, um, I have no idea what, you know, how those people feel because that, that amount of money, that, that kind of wealth is just unimaginable. I have no idea how that feels. But... Um, what will make me happy or what makes me happy is just to, you know, to share what I have with, with others, I guess. I got a very, very small sum of money, sort of a little bonus, and I'm just going to give that away. Um, and, you know, reactions, reactions from people so far were like, they, um, it made them happy, so that made me happy. So I don't know if I would, if I had, I don't know how many billion, if I would give it all away, probably not all of it, but what do you, you cannot spend that much money. Well, I guess unless you buy Twitter, then you can, but <laughs> how yeah. how are you going to spend it all? And, and I mean, it's just so, you know, as you said, once your basic needs are met, what are you going to do? Yeah. What yeah. What else will you need? I mean, you know, make sure everybody around you, every all your loved ones are taken care of. I don't know. 
put it towards um, education and, and all that. But after that, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I seriously wouldn't know what to do and I would not want to buy Boris's villa. I don't, I don't think, but yeah. Yeah, I, I would also, I mean, if you have like 200 billion, so a billion is like a thousand times being a, a millionaire. Being a millionaire is nice. You have that a thousand times, and then you have mm. only your first billion, and then you have that more than two hundred times that amount of money. So it's 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 really impossible to to think how much it is. I remember when Bill Gates was the richest man in the world. There's this list you can you can Google it. I saw it years ago, but I I I think it's called How Rich Is Bill Gates. Um, uh, it gives 10 examples of how rich he is. And one example is like Bill Gates is walking in the street and he sees a dollar laying on the street. Should he pick it up or not? And then it explains that uh, on average, it takes you one second to bend down, pick up the dollar and stand up again. And then it turns out that for him, it's not profitable at all to bend down and pick up the dollar because he earns way more money in that second in what he's usually doing. So then they started to calculate. So what amount of money do we have to put down on the street that it becomes worthwhile for Bill Gates uh, to pick it up? And that was in those days um, around $800. So for $800, uh, he, he would be willing to bend down and pick it up. Um, I'm sure that must be for uh, for for guys like, uh, like Jeff Bezos that are now far richer than Bill Gates was five or 10 years ago. Uh, that amount must even be higher, but it, it it shows the the absurdity of of uh, of that amount of wealth in the hands of 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 just one man, and um, that is. Uh, by the way, his wife is uh, his former wife, his ex-wife is uh, is behaving much better. She got an enormous amount of uh, of their combined wealth, and she's just giving it away and promised to give away at least half of what she owns uh, before the end of her life. So she's doing all kinds of good things, mainly spending it on education, as far as I know. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I I, think, yeah, so that, that amount of money, um, yeah, I would go for good things. I love your example because you uh, you say you have a, a, a tiny amount of money as a bonus that you would lo and love to give away. And I, I really like that idea of just uh, doing doing good for others uh, because there's always people that that need it and can do something good with it and you can either look in your own community or you can look uh, on a more you can look on a thematic scale that whatever you want to give it to to arts or to education or to healthcare or something or you can maybe look at um, a more international scale I mean there's 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 Oh, there's always a need for food and healthcare and fighting malaria and whatever in all kinds of poor countries in the world. So there's a lot to do there, um, there as well. Um, so yeah, so it's um, I don't know. Do, do you have any plans yet? What you want to do with the with the, with the amount of money that you want to give away? <laughs> I've given some of it away already, and um, that off grid box um, yeah. that that you talked about i i fr i'm so bad with names whoever you talk to um so i'm gonna yeah. yeah i'm gonna follow up on that and and see what i can do there but yeah yeah that's uh that's a good that's initiative. definitely something they have what i remember from uh from the interview that normally one of those things 
cost like do i remember something like uh two and a half thousand i think yeah normally it's twenty five thousand, but now they were working on a smaller one uh mm. which was only ten percent of the capacity but only ten percent of the price so yep. that was like two and a half thousand and i i believe uh that bosbirans explained that they would um they, they would try to fund one or a few of those just with funding so that they were kind of mm. that they can give them away as a gift because there's there's uh, there's a lot of donors um if you if you have 100 people that pay 25 euros you you get quite far of course and um so that is uh, yeah that's one of their initiatives i like that one i hope to actually have in this in this show uh in the future, I should invite more people that do those kind of initiatives. I noticed that the listeners really uh, liked his story, um, just like I liked it, because he was he's a, he's a former colleague of mine. And we, we both left the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and, and he focused very much on, uh, on, on giving this kind of direct uh, aid and, and innovative approach uh, towards developing countries, and, and I'm focusing much more on raising awareness for what's going on in the world. Um, and we coincidentally kind of found each other again online and we got in touch like, hey, what are you doing these days? And then I said, okay, join my podcast. And I, uh, But I noticed that more people listen to it. So it's, uh, it's clearly something that a lot, it, it's, a lot of people like what he is doing. So I, I love to hear your support. I will, I will think of some other uh, uh, things because I see a lot of things passing by on, on, on my desk or on my computer, I should say, because everything plays on my screen. So, um, yeah. So that's yeah, I guess I would never have heard of the off-grid box if you hadn't had him on. Yeah. I don't I don't know how I would have heard about it otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, Siad, by the way. We have a small group listening here. Thanks for, uh, for joining. And uh, we are uh, discussing what makes you happy. And we started that. Um, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos and Boris Becker being very rich but being in trouble. Jeff Bezos for losing 13 billion today, which is a question whether that makes you in trouble uh, if you're Jeff Bezos. And then we went to the more national level of states, the fortunes of states being uh, doing well or not. And then we spoke about our planet and went into environment. So now the question is, what really makes you happy? And one of the suggestions uh, just given by Evelyn uh, was that it's uh, it makes you happy by uh, giving money away and see that other people that need it more are doing better things that you do with your money than just having it on a bank account. And I thought that was a, a beautiful answer. So doing, in general, I guess, doing things for others is a good thing. So if you have any thoughts, uh, please uh, please join in this uh, in this small group on the Friday afternoon. And by the way, I'm following you now. And... Um, so um, yeah, so that was a, this is a quick roundup of where we are. Any other thoughts from other listeners? You can also type something, and if not, then I uh, then I think we should leave it here. Unless you have still some some last thoughts, Evelyn. Um. Well, no, not for now. Not for now. Not Next for time. Now. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, thanks so much for joining, and thanks all of you for uh, for listening. And it's uh, it's great that at such a short notice you joined because I wasn't aware that I was going to do this show until 
like an hour before and then I saw so much material I'm, I'm going to talk about all this um, and I invited this just minutes before we started I should learn to announce these things uh, more in advance one last thing on the agenda because we always have some changes I will likely be back either tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon tomorrow night depending on where you are or on the Monday because I try always to do four each week and this is my number three this week but then if we move to next week um, I will have a podcast on uh, there's quite a few coming up there's with Alistair is on Monday the one we normally do on the Thursday Monday is three o'clock Eastern time uh, on the bigger environmental problems in the world then a very interesting one where I really hope that you will join because I think it's it's fascinating to hear that story on Tuesday four o'clock um, on um, uh, four o'clock Eastern time so let's say New York time I have um, Zoe from Wildtrack now what is Wildtrack doing they um, they focus on the tracks of wildlife that they leave behind and making use of indigenous knowledge they found out they learned from indigenous people that there's much more to recognize than just what kind of uh, what kind of animal was walking there indigenous people know so much more in some places know so much more about these tracks that they can recognize whether it's a uh, male or female or young or old or even specific um, uh, animals they recognize that is the one that is hurt on whatever the right uh, front pole or something and uh, all that knowledge that they gathered they then went from ancient knowledge to the most modern thing they they put it into uh, they use ai and they use uh, software from from jump uh, uh, jmp uh, for um, uh, finding patterns uh, in in all these tracks and then recognizing it by computer and and this system that they have developed now can also be applicable for all kinds of other things than uh, than tracks so that there will be a fascinating talk i don't know much about it i must say but she knows everything about it so it's good to talk to zoe and then i have another podcast on wednesday uh, which is the podcast that i normally do on the mondays uh, with vanessa champion so we mixed everything up on monday it's alistair tuesday zoe and then vanessa wednesday and that is at 11 o'clock eastern time so earlier than all the other ones so those three i have scheduled for next week i hope that you will be there and it's like the most fascinating ones to tuesday if you don't have time every day but all of them should be fascinating of course and with that um i will end this podcast i really appreciate that you that you joined and uh good to see you here for the first time siad i hope you will um, uh, you will keep joining i just followed you and everybody else please follow siad and he has some followers because it's clear that he's new on uh, on Colin. Thanks, guys, and uh, have a good weekend. Hope to hear and see you in uh, later this weekend at a certain moment. Bye bye.